What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am in the house today with a friend of mine I met at a real estate event, one of Grant's real estate summits. And Dr. Thaddeus Gala came over and was talking to my, my partner, Jared Yellen. And I was inter- introduced to Thaddeus and, and thankfully so, because he's got a great story. He's doing wonderful things. And I want to introduce him to you all. And uh, Thaddeus, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Looking forward to it. So before I ask you the magic question, I want to just introduce you real quick. Dr. Gala initially went into natural health care to save his mom's life after she was facing a debilitating condition. Doctors claim would have never would have would have her forever wheelchair bound. Now he oversees over 50,000 yearly patients' interactions in his clinics. As an entrepreneur at heart, he mentors business owners and leaders on how to grow and scale their businesses. He has helped entrepreneurs. Listen to this one, guys. This is a this is a really powerful part right here. Save entrepreneurs save millions in taxes and work works with top financial advisors on helping business owners reduce their tax liability by up to 96% every year, keeping their money completely liquid. 96%. That ma- <laughs> that's a massive number, that is. <laughs> yeah, it definitely catches some attention, that's for sure. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm gonna hear more about it as we go. But before I do that, what are you made on, man? Man, that's such an open-ended question. I love that. Yeah, man, I just love helping people. I love my pillars are health, wealth, and impact. Because like my mom, right? When she didn't have her health, she was a liability to the family. She couldn't function. I grew up on a homestead. Like I don't know if you guys remember little, little house in the prairie. That's what my life was like growing up. My parents were a couple of hippies. They moved up to Southern Oregon from California, bought a piece of property in the middle of the Oregon wilderness, pitched a tent and started building a house. No roads, no water, no electricity, nothing. So I started, you know, whether I knew it or not, I was an entrepreneur. You had to just figure shit out and you had to just go for it. And when my mom got sick, you know, she became a liability, not an asset. And uh, not that we looked at it that way, but as I got older, I realized, hey, we got to make changes. Thankfully, now my mom is in her 70s and uh, she runs and wins 5K races in her age group. She has to find younger and younger friends. She's our lead health coach. She's in complete remission. You know, this is a, this is a gal that was told, you know, she might not be able to use her arms again, you know, the, the whole stroke on full disability, on massive meds. So to see that transformation, I realized, you know, like it's like this that you can either just kind of float along through life and you can like through the river and you can just hit rocks and hit rapids and get the shit kicked out of you. Or you can be active. You can be swimming, you can be moving, you can be looking, you can be dodging and you can make the most out of it. So I think I was instilled in that early on, whether I, whether I wanted to or not, that was instilled in me and has, has gotten me, I think, where I am in a lot of different fronts, both in the healthcare and in the financial space. Yeah. Now, is it chiropractic? Yep. So we have a chiro- So my initial training was in chiropractic. I have uh, four clinics now. We have a team of about 70 people. And, uh, and as you mentioned, I, I oversee as the founder and the CEO, we process around 50,000 patient visits a year. So I have a chiropractor down the street. I don't say any names, but it's two people in an office and they're always jam-packed. And, yeah. and you know, it's hard to get an appointment in there. And also they're back to back to back 
all day long. And yeah. I'm just like, what kind of life is that? Like, if that, <laughs> they're fine with that, that's fine. But the same thing every single day, back to back to back. And you didn't stay in that, in that mode because I'm sure you were there at some point, right? Yeah. You know, I like to, you know, it's, it's kind of like what Grant said. I saw one of his videos the other day. I thought it was really, really good. He said, you know, to get to the next level, you're going to have to break something or give something up that you, that you really love and likely that you worked really hard for to get in order to get to that next level. And I think I've always been that, you know, you know, instead of one marshmallow now, two marshmallows later kind of guy. And for whatever reason, that delayed gratification has served me well. And it's allowed me to break a lot of things that, that were holding me back that I didn't realize. Even to the point of where, you know, leaving my friends and moving all the way across from Oregon to Florida to go to chiropractic school and leaving, you know, some of my best friends, my girlfriend at the time to do that. I mean, that was, that was a tough decision, right? And then, and then to come in. And when I finally, you know, here I am 12 years later of, you know, eight years of school working as an associate. And then I'm finally like finally making it. And I, I was making around, well, well, several things. One is I was making about three grand a month. I was living in an 800 square foot house and I hired my first mentor for $8,000. When was this? What, like what period of time? This was probably 2000 and I would say probably 2009, 2008, 2009. So like right at the height of the housing crisis. And, and you already, you were an already a chiropractor or? I was, I was an associate and I was making okay. less money than my friends were waiting tables because I was just getting started. You know, I, I didn't yep. know how to run a business. I would just show up and just assume patients were going to come in. And I, you know, I, I didn't have good patient management. I had great scientific skills because I was always a book person. Yeah. But I realized that like, there's a lot more to like actually patient management and building a business and all the pieces that go into that. So I was making three grand a month. You're going to love this. And I paid my first mentor $8,000 plus travel expenses for one day. So for one day in 2008, 2009, during the housing crisis, I was so naive. I didn't know what the housing crisis was all about. I just knew like, oh yeah, home sales aren't working that well. I bought a-, a well, well, but I don't mean to cut you off, but this is an important point. Yeah. Things that happen like that aren't really our individual's problems. Right. It's, a, it's the country, it's the government, yeah. it's the- it's, and, and people get all wrapped up in it and then they let it become their problem. Am I right? It's like the so, phrase, right? Like I was told there was a, there, there's a recession, but I, I decided not to participate. Yeah. 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 And so same thing is here it was 2008, 2009. So yeah. So I, I'm going to, you're going to like this because I'm going to weave in a couple things you just said. So I hired this guy. Well, let me back up. I was first at this, at this seminar for this continuing education thing. And this guy gets up there and he says this, everyone that's here right now, that your practice is closed and you're not making money, raise your hand. And myself and the Pareto principle, that 80% of the room's hands went up. Now, for those of you that are here at this conference and your clinic's open, you're still making money, raise your hand. And about 20% of the room went up. He said, all right, you guys, that's the difference between having a practice, a medical practice and a medical business. And the light bulb went off and I thought, okay, I need to get, I need to get that guy in my life. He came to my house, 800 square feet. And C-Rock, you're going to love this. My girlfriend and I at the time, the house was so small we had to move the dining room table to the side of the room, <laughs> open the front door. He came in, we shut the front door, and then we slid the dining room table to the back to the middle of the room and sat with him there for eight hours, mapping out a whole game plan. And this was when a lot of my friends and colleagues were going bankrupt. They were you know, going under. And here I was, I, I somehow, I still don't know to this day how I got it, but I was able to get a loan, almost a million dollar loan. And again, I was making about three grand a month. I don't know how I was able to do this. But I was able to get a construction loan of all things, and I built a brand new clinic right wow. right around the housing market market crisis. And you know, I'll be the first to admit that it wasn't all you know sunshine and roses. 
It was stressful. I had warts on my hands. I had eczema. I w- it was probably the most, it, not probably, it was the most stressful time in my life. And because I was only made, I wasn't even making enough money to cover the mortgage payment, you know, looking forward. So when we opened the doors, I realized that we have like a 30 day runway to make this work. And, and here, you know, here we are making this big leap. And so I leaned into it and, you know, just looked at it as, hey, you just work hard. Their problems are going to come up. You know, we don't have problems. We have opportunities for solutions. And as good, and however good we can get and efficient and effective we can get at solving problems, emotion aside, emotion isn't going to do it. We just need to get good at problems because who's going to answer phones? Who's going to pay this bill? Where, you know, this patient needs this. All of our, I realized later in life that all we do is we solve problems all day long. And whoever solves the biggest problems the most effectively and efficiently, they get paid the most. And you get paid directly in proportion to the size and the level and consistency of problems that you're able to solve in the world. If you're able to solve you know, a $15 an hour problem of sweeping the floor, then you're going to get paid $15 an hour. If you're able to solve potentially saving humanity and getting people to Mars, you're likely going to be the highest paid person in the world. And so, yeah, yeah. so it's, 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 if we can take emotion out of it and just look at how can I solve problems, then that's the majority of the battle right there. And so at that time when you had that mortgage and you were going, you were trying to get clients, right? And just back and fill, fill a, a calendar, right? At that oh, point? Yeah. Now, now, thankfully, we had a great location here. So we're right on this main, busy, busy highway. And, and here's the thing. I know that school isn't out for the pro, right? So what I would do is I would on a Friday, I, my girlfriend and I on Friday, we would leave work on Friday because I was an associate at the time before that. And we would drive around four hours to save a couple hundred bucks on a plane ticket. We'd drive four hours to a bigger airport, take the red eye back to like Ohio, wake up. So we'd sleep on the plane. So we didn't have to get a hotel room. We'd get a, we'd get a rental car. And because this was before Uber and all that stuff, we'd get a rental car. We'd drive to this clinic that was open on Saturday. She would shadow the front desk. I would shadow the chiropractor. We then would drive back to the airport, take the red eye then back home. So we could just sleep on the plane. And then we'd drive back on Sunday, map everything out, and then go back to work on, on Monday. And what I would do is we'd go to these different clinics that were successful. I would just find them in trade journals, et cetera. I'd find, out, I'd find something that was, that was worthy enough to be written about. I thought, well, they're probably worthy enough to go visit. I literally, C-Rock would cold call them. And I would just say, hey, can I be a fly on the wall? You know, I, I, I was too naive enough to know like, hey, I should bring value to this person. I just said, hey, I'm out of school. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Can I come shadow you? You're obviously successful. And I would do this to all these clinics. And I would take out stuff that I knew I could do and that would work, come back, implement it. And almost every single time the, within that week, I would have a sizable bump in our profitability and our revenue and our patient retention, the services that we offered. And it's just continued to grow from there. So yeah, I mean, we just, we, we just got in there. We, we worked 12-hour days you know, back to back and through a lot of effort and a lot of what we thought was the right stuff, a lot of trial and error. And you know, it worked. And it's only been about 13 years till, till now, right? From that. Yeah. I mean, I graduated in 06 and I was an associate there for about three, two, three, four years. Um, and then we, we opened the doors. We opened the doors after because con- construction, you think, takes a year and a half. So we opened the doors, I believe it was June 2011. Okay, so, 11, 11 years. Yep. So at that time, when you're going through the, the warts infestation, the yep. eczema, like yep. I've been there, man. I've had eczema breaking out my hands like so bad because of the stress. Yep. I, I can relate to that so much. But back then, could you have imagined or visioned exactly what you have now? Um. Yes. Not, and not no. exactly. Not exactly. Yes but. and no. I, I, I would see 
there was definitely something that I, that I knew, I knew was out there. Like I knew like if other people are doing it, like I can do this, you know, like, like in that thing where the guy says, who has a practice, who has a business? I was like, well, I want that. I can do that. So whenever I would see successful people, I think, well, I can do that. I want to do that. And so I did envision it on some level. Yeah. And then looking back, if let's you say you go back to that 2009, 2011 year yeah, and, and yourself, and you saw this, what's going on right now, what would you have thought? And when you say this going on, you mean like where like, I'm at right where now? Where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> I would, I would think as a dream, man. Yeah. 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 I, you know what, C-Rock? I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me that question, man. That like that, that when you had just asked me that really hit me because yeah, it helps me not take it for granted, man, because I do, I am very blessed and work really hard. And I think if someone were to show me the picture of my life right now, then I would, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm getting emotional, man. That That's a heavy question. I like that. Yeah, man. Look, cause I just went through this myself. I mean, when this weekend, when I was at GrowthCon and I'm up there and I'm on the stage as a partner with Grant, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if I would even just go back a few years when I first went to the first GrowthCon that I went to at Miami Marlins Stadium, and I, I had no idea what I was getting into, but I was excited seeing him parachute into the stadium. Yeah. And if I could go back to that person now and, and watching all the people on stage and seeing like, I would be absolutely just tickled to death to be where yeah. I am right now. But yeah. Yeah. My thing right now is like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Best selling yeah. book. You know, business is great. You know, uh, started two tech companies, got the tech uh, project 10K with Jared Yellen, Grant, yeah. all this. And I'm like, what's next? What's next? Like, we're not going fast enough, but I got to stop for a second and look back and say, you know what? Yeah. And we've come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? that, 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 that rear view mirror ROI, man, is more than just money. It's also the mindset and the, and the, the satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, like, so, so you're on stage. I mean, I love that because you got to think of how fast life can change when you start leaning in and you start making it. What do you think was the biggest thing that led to that for you being on stage? Well, it's all everything to me in life for, and I know this is a fact for everybody, but decisions, like you just make a decision and decisions also keep you back and keep you small. Yeah. So every time we fail, we make a decision. Yeah. And that decision's usually trying to blame why we failed and we picked the wrong target why we failed. Yeah. Instead of trying to readjust and fix, like, okay, well, I'm the cause of that. I made a decision or did something off. I need to figure out what that was to move forward. But I made a decision that day when I was at GrowthCon that I would speak on that stage and I was not going to stay small anymore. Like I was playing too small of a game. Yeah. And I just did whatever I had to do. I, I spent like probably close to $300,000 on self, self development and investing yeah. in myself. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've spent. I spent more in self-development and, and mastermind groups and coaching and mentoring than I have on all my formal education. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Well, and I'm the guy that talked to the sales guy at Grant's office down on the, the growth con ticket to that first growth con. And I ended up getting it for like 1200 bucks when it was 2500 or something. Yeah. I just beat him up. I was that kind of person, like thinking so small. Yeah. And now, by the way, I never talk. This might be a bad thing. I don't know what, like some super rich people might disagree with me, but I never talk people down on a price anymore. Yeah. I, I just don't do it. I'm like, because you know what? I feel like uh, if I do that, then people are going to do that to me. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just won't buy it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just yeah. like, I, I, th- I think that's a good, I think that's a good, a good principle to work by with, um, gosh, there's something you just said that, that, that jumped in, but now it just jumped out of my brain here. It's there somewhere. 
when, when you were, oh, on those decisions, I, I think that's a big thing because like when you said you just made a decision to do that, I really do believe that, that once you fully commit to something, your brain will start to solve those problems and things will start to come in whether you realize it or not. And so I think if, if, if people can recognize that there's things you don't even know, you don't know, you don't know, and, but trusting the process that, that nobody's born knowing how to walk. Nobody's born being, you know, Kipchoge, the fastest marathon runner, you know, like, like everyone start like Kipchoge, you know, the, the marathon runner, the guy that did sub two hours. I know that I know it wasn't like officially two hours, but he started not being able to walk just like everyone else did. So I think that we're proverbially and, and we're, we're metaphorically always at a starting point for some skill, some mindset financially. Yeah. And that if somebody else can get to that level, it's very likely that we can get to that level or we can make significant strides towards getting there. Well, and what is it in us? Maybe it's just me. I've seen it in other people too, but like the impatience factor, the yeah. like, I know I can get there. What's taken so long? And what is it about that? Like, and we get frustrated that yeah. we're not there yet, kind of thing. Well, like, <laughs> I think I think that comes down to you know, it's like that marshmallow test, right? Where they take kids and they put them in a room. And they say, "Hey, you can have this one marshmallow now, or I'm going to come back in 20 minutes. I'll give you two marshmallows." And then you can predict their behavior with that, right? So it's, some of it's how we're wired, and then a lot of it's in our environment and so forth. But one of the things that that, that I was going to share that I think is 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 relevant is when I finally got the clinics up and going. And I was making around 13 grand a month. I thought oh, part of my brain was, oh my gosh, I've made it. And two things happened. Number one was I hired this other chiropractor and it was going to be 10 grand a month. And the decision though was this, it was, I'm going to hire this guy for 10 grand a month, which means I'm going to drop back down to only three grand a month. And I'd worked, I'd worked, you know, at this point I'd worked, what, what was this? This was probably 2012. So you got to think. So yeah, I'm like, I'm like 12, 13 years into my professional life after high school and I'm finally making money and I'm taking a step back again. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to do this because I realized <clears throat> I asked myself this one question and I sat with this in my office and I thought, I'm going to hire this guy. And that means I'm going to be arguably one of, if not the lowest paid person in my entire company. And I'd worked so hard to get here. And I thought, but that's going to free up 60 to 80 hours a week of my time. I said, do I think that if I had 40 to 80 hours of free time every week, I could go out and generate another $10,000 at least? And I thought, it took me, about, took me about five minutes. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that I can figure it out. And so I took a huge pay cut and I went back out and did that. And around that same time, I got a letter from my CPA and I called him up. I said, is this supposed to be some kind of joke? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're telling me I owe a quarter million dollars in taxes. He said, yeah. I said, Doug, I only have 30 grand in the bank account. I said, I always thought that if I don't have money, that means that I'm not going to pay taxes. He's like, well, it's the way that, you're, your way that you're structuring things and it's just the way it is. And I realized what had happened was I had carried some, well, I mean, there's a handful of things, but one of them was I had, I had taken money that I, had, that I had kept spending on business expenses, but it was in this year and it wasn't from the previous year. So I didn't have enough money saved for taxes and I didn't zero it out the year before. So he said, well, you know, death and taxes. And I hung up the phone. I felt like I got hit by a truck and then it hit me. So here's my mom when all the professionals said that nothing could be done. My mom, the doctor said she'd been a wheelchair the rest of her life. And now here she is running and winning 5K races. And so maybe my CPA is wrong about this. And I realized that CPAs are just like doctors, that majority of doctors are wrong about most things most of the time, just like most of us are. 
Most doctors give medications and they really don't know how to get to the root cause. And CPAs are no different. The average CPA is not an entrepreneur. The average CPA is not a sexy strategist. The average CPA is a recorder and a reporter. What would you rather have, a sexy strategist or a boring recorder reporter? Mm -hmm. Well, most CPAs are really good at crunching numbers and, and being a human calculator. They're not sexy strategists. So I realized that there's a huge gap and C-Rock, I could probably name a handful of people that I've worked with in the space that I got on a phone in about 10 to 15 minutes. I'm saving them hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes that they didn't even know they didn't know because their CPA is a nine to fiver. They don't think entrepreneurially. If they did, they'd be running the company, not working in the company. And they would have already strategized how to reduce and eliminate taxes. And in about 10 to 15 minutes, I've saved people hundreds of thousands of dollars in their taxes by just finding figuring out a few things because their CPA just wasn't wired that way. So you got to find the right playmates in the right playground. So that's when my, my second career for the last eight years now is helping entrepreneurs get their taxes down so they can keep their money to do what they want, when they want, with who they want. So, and does, does it have to be a self-employed person or can it be a W-2 employee? Um, it can be W-2. There's an extra step that comes with that. But yes. if somebody is entrepreneurially minded, then yeah, they can do it. And that's the biggest thing. I really do think if you have like an X-axis and a Y-axis and you have four squares, mm-hmm. and let's say you have, you, have, you have people down here in their mindsets and CPAs over here in their mindsets, and you can do this with any profession, is that probably 95% of the people think entrepreneur or, or think conventionally and 95% of CPAs think conventionally. So most things that get done in this world are going to be conventional. But let's say that now you're in that 5% that thinks entrepreneurially. Well, that, that you have a 95% chance, most likely, of finding a CPA that does not think entrepreneurially. And the 5% of CPAs that do think entrepreneurially are likely already gobbled up and swallowed by like Grant Cardone's team, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, because they're already attracting that talent. So the problem is, is you get, you get, you, you get this freaking 5% screaming, smoking freaking race car, and you're putting half water in the tank. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. not going to run. Yeah. And so you got to get the right race car and the right fuel and the right systems, and you're going you're gonna to win the race. But, but by default, it's not going to happen. So, so many people don't even realize that that sector of their life, that there's such a dichotomy of CPAs, just like there's such a dichotomy of real estate investors, CPAs. I mean, arguably, you could just say that Grant is a great salesperson. Um, and he's a great personality, and he's really good at real estate. I mean, there's a lot of people really good at that, but Grant is is a unicorn. He he has created his own his own whole sector, right? So so there's something unique about him that we can all learn from. And it's the same thing in any other area in life. Not all, you know, Grant Cardone is really good at sales and real estate, but not all people that are good at sales and real estate are going to be the next Grant Cardone. Oh yeah. Right, right. Now is this a foolproof system? Is it based on the tax laws and loopholes or structuring things? Like you yeah, know, some great. people's first thing in their head is going to be like, well, man, I might get in trouble with this, but I'll try yeah. it. Or, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? So here's the thing, right? So there's tax evasion and tax avoidance. Tax evasion is not recording income or it's recording expenses that never happened. That's the orange jumpsuit stuff. Tax avoidance is the legal things to do. Now, and loopholes, I think, are kind of synonymous with it, but and loopholes get a bad, bad name. But let me just ask you this, C Rock. Let's say, let's say that you were looking, let's say that you were a farmer. And this is going to be a brain dead, a brain dead example here, just for the yeah. audience. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm happy to share other strategies too. But let's just say that you're a farmer 
and you were looking at $100,000 net profit. And here it is, let's say November and December, and you thought, well, gosh, we're going to have a tremendous growing season this year. I'm looking at the almanac, the weather, everything is lined up. We're going to have a banner year this year. I know without a doubt that we're not going to have any bug problems. We're going to have plenty of water. We're going to get the optimal seeds. We're going to have a banner year. Go, going into the next year is what going they're talking next about, year. right? Yeah, yeah. Here you are, let's say November, December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you write that, you write a $100,000 check to buy a brand new tractor and you write that whole thing off on your section 179. Well, that arguably could be a loophole because that tractor is going to sit there mm-hmm. until you start using it in the spring or fall. Yeah, yeah. You're just smart, right? Now, is that a loophole? Right now, no, yeah. That's just, that's just running your business because the yeah, strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's strategy. Now, that's obviously a brain dead, falling off the log, easy example. But there's, but there's more advanced ones that are just like that. Once you understand the tax law, now take that to the nth degree. That's where things get juicy, and that's where you start saving tens and hundreds, or if not millions of dollars, millions of, of, of dollars in taxes. And generally you, you give the information and then they take it to their CPA and say, Hey, do this. They don't ask them. They say, do this. We can do both. Yeah. We can either do it for people. We can teach them how to do it. And then they go to their CPA and do it. It doesn't matter to me, but I typically find that, that, okay, so let's do this. Two things. One is remind me to say, say what the rule of six is, but let me also say this. Some CPAs would say this. Well, why would you buy the tractor now? Because it's just going to sit there and then you have to take care of it. You have to maintain it until the summer. And you, you can get pushback on really basic ideas. The nine to five or CPA that's just a recorder and a, a reporter can, is going to push back on. So they may say, well, gosh, do you really need another tractor? Why don't you just rent a tractor? I mean, wouldn't you, you know, and they come up with all these other things. For me, I would rather buy the tractor, zero out my taxes. And then go get a go go refinance the tractor and get my hundred thousand dollars out one hundred percent tax free. That then I can go use on other business expenses, other investments, hire key team members, etc. And now I have my money working for me on multiple levels. But a CPA is is not going to think that. And you wouldn't realize it, but in subtle ways, it'll get trickled out that that a CPA will start will start uh, being a wet blanket on some some not all of these <laughs> right, ideas. Right, right. And then the rule six. Rule of six is this. If you don't care about taxes, think about this. If you're a business owner and you have a 25% profit margin, which is about average, and you're in a 35% tax bracket, so assuming those two things, 25% margin, 35% tax bracket, for every dollar that you save in taxes, that's the equivalent of $6 or more of top line revenue. Mm -hmm. Said another way, if you save $500,000 in taxes or $100,000 in taxes, that if if you, let's just say, if you save $100,000 on your taxes, that's the equivalent of a $600,000 business. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, C-Rock, but I see the average person that's just kind of starting out, what it takes to, to get a multi-million dollar business, the amount of time, energy, money investment, no guarantees, et cetera, that you're going to do that. For every dollar you save in taxes, which is money you've already worked so hard for, it really the ROI on your time is exponential because once you set up the systems and the processes, it's typically evergreen. So you can arguably increase, and just the way the numbers work, if you eliminate your taxes, that's almost the same as adding about 50, 54% top new top line revenue. Yeah. And is this something that you can go back on or only forward? There, can you do there, any retroactive work with people? There are a handful of things. Yeah. It depends on their setup. Depends on if they're cash versus accrual. Depends on if they have real estate or not. Depends on how they're structured. S Corp, C Corp, L. So the short answer is yes, we can go back in time. We are We are much more able to obviously do things going forward, but there are some things we can do going back in time. It's just more limited, but yes, there is. 
And for the audience, because we're running over time here, for and I, I respect your time. I appreciate it. Um, how can they reach you and engage with you further, Dr. Thaddeus? Uh, you know, they can come to our annual retreat, guardiansretreat.com. So guardiansretreat.com, we got myself, Gary V, Dave Meltzer. I'm trying to rope you into coming down there. Or they can go on social media, Instagram, Facebook, go to Thaddeus Gala, check it out. Okay, cool. And man, I got so much that I could, I could talk to you all day, man. <laughs> Finally, what's the vision for the future for you? And then we'll wrap this up. My vision is to make a billion dollars, have a billion, billion dollar real estate portfolio. Why? So that I can turn around and just write a check and build the world's largest, biggest, first natural functional medicine uh, hospital that helps people legitimately reverse chronic disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, diabetes, fibromyalgia, you name it on down the list. And that we don't have to accept insurance. It's affordable and readily available to the masses and the public. And, it's, and it revolutionizes healthcare. And I want to help a lot of other people get really wealthy in that process. Awesome. Guys, go check out Dr. Gala. Phenomenal man. I met him in person. And like I said, I could sit here and talk to him for hours. Great dude. Go check him out. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Thaddeus. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And if you want to continue, subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. Go to YouTube if you'd like to watch these. Mike C-Rock, Scirocco. Keep coming back. I appreciate you so much. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike croc.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.